I actually wanted to title this morning's word as God's order or the order of God. Because I actually basically want to touch on both. God is a God of order and He has an order. He's got an order in which things works and He's also a God of order. But since there's only so much space on a thing and we kind of do things bilingual, I can't wait until the day we do Zulu services. But you're going to have to pray for me for tongues. And you might need to pray for the audience for interpretation in tongues. But I can't wait for the day until we do Zulu services. I'm not sure exactly what I would have said, but something like Nkosi would have been in there. So, we are a church for the kingdom of God. And souls go to heaven. Not races. Souls go to heaven. Hallelujah. If you got your Bible, you can open it up to the book of 1 Corinthians 14. We're only going to read one scripture verse there. Praise the Lord. We'll be reading one verse. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints. Now in context, that verse basically means that God does not work confusion within a service. He's a God of order within a service. There's got to be an orderly flow towards and in a service. However, the principle is brought forth there that is something that can be aligned throughout the Bible, and that is that God is a God of order. He made from day one things in order. You can see that there's a systematic order when it comes to God. He is a God of order. And when we look at the things that's going on at the moment, there's so much uncertainty. You know, the other day I read an interesting um, thing that someone posted, I think it was on WhatsApp, where they spoke about the, the impacts that COVID is having on maybe a psychological effect or a psychological side of society. And we as people enjoy surety. We like security. We like to know what's happening and we like to know where things are going. And the moment things happen that, that, that disrupts that, we become insecure, we become afraid, and 
chaos can easily break loose. And we get consumed by all the things that, is, that are going on. Yet, we believe as children of God that God is in control. I mean, let's talk about this honestly at the moment now. And, and let's just think about this. God was not caught of God. In March 2020, when an announcement was made that changed the scope of the world, he wasn't caught off guard. It was not, he, he was not like, oh, what's happening? He is in control. And if God is in control, then it means that he's got an order that is still prevalent within the disorder that we are experiencing around us. And if we can lean into Him, we'll experience godly order in our lives despite what is going on around us. And when we hear news, when we hear reports, we'll have a different approach to it because we know that we are serving a God who is in control and that He is a God of order. And because He's a God of order, He's got order in our lives. And there's order in His presence. And there's order with Him that sustains and keeps us. Why is order so important? Because order creates security. I'm going to ask this question that I asked in the first service. Whom among you, and now those who are here in the first service, you can't raise your hands right now. Okay. Whom among you has ever left your children or your child at a stranger for at least an hour or more in your life? If you've ever done that, raise your hand. You are all lying to me. <laughs> oh, yes. Thank you. Hallelujah. We will be holding a lying, deceiving spirit deliverance service. We've just organized the evening service right now. <clears throat> and we've got two groups of church members that need to attend. Because the first service, none of them raised their hands either. All of us has dropped our kids off at school. And we've left our children with strangers. Some people we've never met. It's not that we left them with the stranger. It's that we left them with a system of order and we knew that they would be safe Within that order. Order creates security. Where there's order, there is protection. So when God, and God shows us and establishes His order, He creates security for us. He creates protection for us. If we come in line 
with the order of God, if we stay in line with the order of God, then we can experience security. If we remain in order with the order of God around our finances, we've got a security of God around that. If we remain in order of God with our finances, we've got protection around it. Order creates a love boundary. So we know where we can and where we cannot go. And it's not that love, and the love is not experienced on the other side of the boundary, but it creates a boundary for us where we know that when we are within these boundaries, there we can experience all that there is that God has for us. If we use this premises as an example, when my kids come here, oftentimes during the week when we come here and I bring them with, there are boundaries. If they exceed the boundaries, they're putting themselves at risk. Do I love them on the other side of the boundary? Yes, I do. But will I correct them when they're on the other side of the boundary? Yes, I will. Because on the other side of the boundary, they are at risk. If they run out this gate, it's a busy road here. So the boundaries are set there for their protection. And as long as they remain within the boundaries, they can do whatever they please within the boundaries. If they exceed the boundaries, I'm going to correct them and bring them back into the boundaries where they are safe. So love, so order creates love boundaries. We know where we can and where we cannot go. It creates boundaries. And I think if you look at the marriage, it's, a, it's, it's also a great example thereof. You know. You should know. Where their love boundaries are when it comes to your marriage. When your wife says to you that she is okay, don't take that word. There's a boundary on that word. That, it, when she says okay, that boundary is shifted exponentially. You've got to find out where that boundary is, is now. You've got, to, you've got to go and look for it. So it creates this place of security. It creates this place of protection. And anything out of the order of God is the enemy's playground. As long as my children remain within the borders of this property, it means that I've created a place for them where they can be safe. If they move beyond it, I cannot guarantee that because this place has been fenced. If you look at your house, your, your, your yard, it's been fenced. So as long as your kids remain in there, there's a place of security and protection for them. If they exceed that, it becomes difficult because it moves into places that you don't have control over. So anything out of the order of God is the enemy's playground. If you disrupt the order of the godly order of marriage, you're on the enemy's playground. If the wife 
takes the position of the head of the house, you've got a problem. That marriage and that whole household is going to experience problems. Because if you disrupt that order, the enemy starts to have access. Because obviously, if the order is disrupted, the security is disrupted. The protection is disrupted. Because the order is disturbed. You know people, and all of the people that you know that have marriages where the order of the marriage is disturbed, you have seen what happens. You've experienced what happens. If the husband is taking up the role of the wife, there's a problem. If the wife takes up the role of the husband, there's a problem. And it's not necessarily a very popular topic in today's society, but the Word of God says that husbands, you should love your wives. Wives, you should submit to your husbands. It's not a popular thing, but it's what God said. It's like I said to this one marriage couple when I, well, with this one couple that I married a while ago, I said to, I said to the to the wife, I said, um, did you choose him? And she's frowning. I said, is, is, is this an organized marriage? No. She said, you chose him. She says, yes. And I asked him, did you choose her? And he said, yes. I said, it's not an organized thing for you? And he said, no. I said, well, then it's simple. You, husband, love your choice, and you, wife, submit to your choice, because you chose. Now submit to it. Now do it. Perform it. And This is not a thing of one looking down on the other. It's the order of God. And if we remain in it, there's security. There is protection. If children rule a house, You've got problems. The order of God is disrupted. There's no security. There's no protection. The enemy runs riot. He does what he wants, how he wants it, when he wants it. It's his playground. He's got a party. And we can see it in our country. The order of God has been disrupted. And he's running riot. He's doing what he wants. It's coming to the point where those who want the things don't even know what they want anymore. It's, 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 it's absolutely, it's because the order of God has been disrupted. And then this order sets in, chaos sets in. Now the promise of God is, is that He is in control. And if He is in control, then He is still in control of our lives today. So irrespective, of the disorder that is going on around us. When God is in control of our lives and we are in the order of God, we can still experience security and protection. And we can still know that we are loved irrespective of what is going on around us. Because we are functioning and working under the order of God. We are not under the order of man and we are not under the order of our enemy. 
We are under the order of God. So how do we keep or how do we restore the order? Five things that I picked up. First of all is God first. Put God first. If God is first, if God is first in our lives, that is order already that is in the right order. If we put God first, not second, not third, if we put God first, then already there is a restoration of order in our lives. Matthew 22, verses 36 to 38. The Pharisees come to Jesus and they say to him, what do you say is the greatest of all the commandments? And he said that you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your mind. Then he goes on to say, and that which is almost that which is equal to this is that you should love your neighbor as yourself. That is the order of God. If you love God, you will love your neighbor. It's God's order. Putting him first. He's got to be first. He can't be the second choice. He's got to be the first choice. God first. If I put God first in my life, my life will bear fruit. If I put God first in my finances, my finances will bear fruit. If I put God first in my body, then it will bear fruit. God first. That's the first place to restore order. He's not something that I, like a spare wheel, that I want to go and put out once my tire is flat. He's my first comfort, my first love. I've got to love God more than I love my wife so that I can love my wife the way God wants me to. I've got to love God first more than I love anybody or anything in my life so that I can love them the way that He wants me to. God first. And in the society that we are living in, God has become a priority thought, but not a priority in lives. A lot of people say, yes, I want to serve God, but they never go over to it. There's this concept of holiness, but no performance of there, there are. People talk of God, but they never go to church. People talk of the things of the Lord, but they never do anything about it. God's not first. God first. Second, pray first, do later. Let's go to 1 Timothy. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. 
What is Paul saying here? First of all, he says, I exhort you. In other words, he's not just saying something. It's above just saying something. But I'm not fighting with you either. It's almost in between. It's almost like I want to get something over to you without fighting with you, but not just saying it for the sake of saying it. I exhort you. Pray first. First, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. What happens is, we oftentimes make decisions, and then we pray about it. Not in this church, I know. <clears throat> but we oftentimes go and say, Lord, oh no. well, we oftentimes go and, 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 and we sell a car, or we put our cars on the market, and then we say, Lord, sell my car, please. Put our houses in the market, and then, Lord, please sell my house. Look for another job. Lord, give me another job. Our decisions precede our prayers, oftentimes. We first do something and then we pray about it. Because once we do it, we, see, we don't see results of it, and then we say, perhaps I should pray about it. It's the wrong order. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs 3, it says, Make your ways known unto the Lord. And then, and then, first make your ways known to Him. And then, you will make your paths straight. So what we do is, is we choose a path and then we try and pray it straight. Pray first, do later. That is the order of God. Paul says here, firstly, this is what you should do first. Supplication, prayer, intercession, giving of thanks. All men. So when we pray first and do later, We'll ha we'll, we will spend less time asking God to correct mistakes and show grace. You know, I've done that. Ventured many times into things, and then after a while, it's like, oh, Lord. I'm so sorry I did this. And you see, the thing is, is usually... That sorry of me doing it is not because I'm really sorry, it's because I don't like the consequences of what I'm in what I'm receiving. <clears throat> and then I'd like the Lord to sort it out for me. Remove the consequences. Pray first, do later. Pray first, do later. Thirdly, Take control of matters. There are certain things within our control. The Bible says in Psalms 42, 
verse 5. And here the psalmist is speaking to himself, and this is so amazing. You know, they oftentimes say, if you want good conversation, talk to yourself. All right, so it seems like he wanted some good conversation. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him. There are certain things that's within our control. Certain things that we can take control of. We can take control of our emotions. We can take control of it. Here in the book of Psalms, it is exactly what the psalmist is saying. It says, take control of your emotions. Why are you downcast within me, O my soul? Why are you feeling like this? Take control of my feelings. I'm taking control of it. I'm taking, it, I'm taking control of it. And then in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, it says that we should take thoughts captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. In other words, when those thoughts arise and our, and, 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 and our minds are in absolute chaos because of everything that is running around it, take control of the matter. God has placed it within our hands. Bring it unto the obedience of Jesus Christ. It says, take control. Take control of these matters. Why are you cast down within me? And as you take control of it, you're bringing it under order. This is what the Word says about it. This is what the Word says about this. I'm taking control of the matters. Fourth, says, Identify things for what they are. Scientifically, it was proven that of a hundred percent of things that we worry about, only ninety-two percent of it never happens. Of 100% of things that we worry about, 92% never happens. 4% you can do something about. The other 4% you can do nothing about, which begs the question, why worry? 92% of it, never going to happen. 4% you can do something about. The other 4%, you can do nothing about. Why? Worry. Identify things for what they are. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 5 to 13, it gives the account of the people who saw what happened in the upper room. So, it tells us what those who did not experience that outpouring directly, what they saw when it happened. So, listen, listen to this, because this blessed me. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, 
devout men. These were not just someone who walked around, you know. It's, it was devout men. It was men who were devoted to God. They were devoted to God. They were devoted to the Word. They were devoted to serve Him. In fact, they had come, the Bible says, from all over the world to come to Jerusalem to come and bring praise and worship and an offering unto God. So these people were devoted people towards God. This was not just some fellow that treaded by and saw things happening. They were devoted men and they were devoted to God. And they came and they saw these things happening and then they had their opinions about it. Because and when the sound occurred, devout men from every nation under heaven, verse 6, and when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused. Because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galilean? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? And then it tells us who they were. Verse 11, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others of the devoted men, mocking said they are full of New wine. They were right. <clears throat> Just because it's not to my liking does not mean it's out of order. You see, these were devoted men. And when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened, it had a different reaction to what they were used to. So some of them perceived it to be that the people were drunk. That's how they perceived it. These were devoted men. And they looked at him and said, this is just very weird. This is just complete. You see, they looked at it and said, this is not in order. But it was in order because God did that. So just because it's not to my liking does not mean it's out of order. That's why we need to identify things for what they are. There are things in our lives that we might feel uncomfortable with. It does not mean that it's the devil. Sometimes it's God just bringing in that sandpaper and he's just sanding some edges. He's just bringing it in to make us come into order. He's just removing some stuff. Oh, but it's not nice. Yes, identify things for what they are. If it makes us uncomfortable, that's usually something that God comes and He wants to just skill on back a bit. All right? I think all the English people got that. <clears throat> 
It's identifying things for what they are. Peter had to correct them. And he had to say to them that this that was happening was actually prophesied many, many years ago. And this is just the happening of that. So to bring things into godly order means that I've got to identify things for what they are. Yes, sometimes it's God, and yes, sometimes it's not God. But we've got to identify things for what they are. And we've all received the spirit of discernment. So we are able to identify things for what they are. Just because it's not to my liking does not mean it's out of order. The last one is know your limits. It's almost contradicting. I say take control of matters. There are some things that you can do something about. You can go and sit down, look at what is happening around you, write it down, and start to make sense of it. Get for yourself a plan that you can start to apply to bring things in order. Take control of matters. Sometimes if you just sit down and become quiet and, 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 and start to look at what is going on and you can start to see, but okay, I'm going to tackle that first and then that second and that third. I'm bringing things. I'm taking control of matters because the God has given us that ability. But then there are times when we've got to know our limits. And I want to read these scripture verses to you, and we'll take it from there. Where am I now? I'm trying to go to 1 Corinthians 20. I'm going to take a while. There's, no, there's not 20 verses in 1 Corinthians. Oh, no, no, it's not. There aren't 20 chapters in 1 Corinthians. It's going to take me quite a while. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God knows your limit. And sometimes we are confronted with things that's not ours to deal with. Because the Bible says very clearly in 1 Corinthians 10 that they, if we are able to deal with it, God will not allow something to cross our paths that we're not able to deal with. If it happens, it's not ours. 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Chronic, 2 Chronicles 20 Verse 15, and then he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Oftentimes, our lives feel out of order because we are fighting a battle that's not ours. And there comes a time when we've got to say, Lord, this is your battle. 
1 Corinthians 14, it says that God is not a God of disorder, but He's a God of peace. And peace is oftentimes the measuring stick that we can use within all of establishing whether there is godly order in my life. If there's something in my life that I'm battling with, if I hand it over to the Lord and I say, Lord, this battle is not mine, it's yours, and I have peace, then don't take back that battle. Give it to God. If you go and you say, Lord, I want to take this matters, I'm going to bring it, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to take control of these matters, and you receive peace, then you know it's something that God has placed that you can deal with because you've got peace. He'll give you peace. He's not a God of disorder. He's a God of peace. So peace will always and always be a very big determining factor of knowing whether you are in the order of God or whether you're not in the order of God. Because if we're not in order of God, then we won't experience that security. We won't experience that protection and there will be this resistance. There will be this lack of peace within us. But when we are in the order of God, then we've got the confidence to know that God is for us. God is with us. When we are in God's order, then we know we're in a safe zone. It's like if I tell my child to do something, someone else confronts her, it's easy. She turns around and says, my dad said I could do this. She's safe. She's protected because she's under order of my instruction. She's in order with my instruction. But there are times where we need to know our limits. There are times when we've got to say, Lord, I'm taking what is humanly impossible and giving it over to the God for whom all things are possible. I'm bringing this impossible situation that is completely out of my control. It's completely well out of my reach and I'm placing it in your hands and I know that you have got this because this is my limits. But my limits is not God's limit. He goes far beyond, far above where we are, what we can do, because what is impossible for man is very possible for God. He will not allow that we would be tempted above what we can bear. So everything that we can bear, we can, we, we, we've got some other grip on it. But when it's above that, it's not ours. It's His. I can't heal myself. But he can. He can heal. He is the healer. He is the provider. This is my limit, Lord. You take it further. And then I'm in the order of God. And I know that I can go. That I can move. I've got peace. Peace like a river. Joy like a fountain. There's a song like that, eh? I got peace like a river, I got peace like a river. 
Have I got the right tune? I've got joy like a fountain. I've got joy like a fountain. I've got joy like a fountain in my soul. I've got joy like a fountain. I've got joy like a fountain. I've got joy like a fountain in my soul. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. Now you've got to show it. I've got joy like a fountain. I've got joy like a fountain. And I've got joy like a fountain in my soul. I've got joy like a fountain. I've got joy like a fountain. I've got joy like a fountain in my soul. Hallelujah. God's order. God is a God of order. And there is something like God's order. Whatsoever you should ask in the name of Jesus. That's the order he placed in. When you want something, you ask it in the name of Jesus. It's an order. There's only one way to heaven. That's a godly order. If you try and bypass that one, it's an order God has established. We can't get around it. It's a godly order. When we have godly order within our lives, then we shall enjoy the security and the protection that He has for us around it. And irrespective of what's going on in this world, we've got godly order in our lives. Put Him first. Pray first. Do later. Do what you can do. If there are things that's crazy, go and sit down. Go and see what it is. Oftentimes when we just sit down and look at all these overwhelming things, we start to realize that there are a lot of holes. And it's not as big as we initially thought it was. Then see things for what they are. Look at it for what it is. Know your limits. Hallelujah. So, irrespective of what's going on around us, irrespective of what the media is telling us, irrespective of all these things, have godly order in your life. God first. God first. It's His order. And when we just subject to it, praise the Lord, Things fall in place. Amen. Father, I thank you for your goodness and for your kindness. I thank you for your grace, Lord Jesus, that draws us. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are with us. And I thank you, Lord, that your word over us stands tall in the midst of all. And I thank you, Father, that this day, Lord, we just want to once again submit ourselves to your order. Let your will be done in our lives. 
And Father, in Jesus' mighty name we pray, God, that your order will be reestablished in South Africa. For when we look at our beautiful country, Lord, we see that people have forgotten you. You are not first in our country amongst many. And the godly order has been disrupted. And therefore we pray, God, that you will forgive us as a nation of South Africa. And we pray that you will bring us into order where God will be first again. Where you will be exalted above all gods. And that South Africa will prosper. And we pray prosperity over this beautiful country, Lord. And we thank you, Father, that we can just pray your goodness over this place, over this town, over this country, Lord. And bring us into order. Father, I just bless every person in this place this morning. And may you keep them. Maybe you have your face to shine upon them and be gracious towards them. Maybe you have your countenance to rise over them and give them peace. Lord, we cover them by the precious blood of Jesus. And we pray they are led by the Holy Spirit in Jesus' precious name. Amen.